Today on Our Story, we're very excited to have the one and only Darren Schmelick here to tell us a bit about his own story, his journey with Jesus. Darren is currently the chairman of the Board of Elders and has served in a myriad of ways. He has a breadth of life experience, and we're just really excited to hear from Darren more about uh, how God has met him and continues to meet him in this current moment. So Darren, thanks so much for uh, being with us today and for choosing to engage with uh, the podcast today. No, thank you for the invite. I'm excited to be here today. That's going to be great. So why don't you just start off by telling us a bit about yeah, how did you come to know Jesus in the first place? What were some of the things that uh, impacted your life and uh, convinced even your soul, your mind, whatever it was, uh, the truth of who he is? Well, I probably have such a typical Christian story. I, I did grow up, grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my father actually was a, a pastor with a Minute General Conference, um, although he did leave full-time ministry when I was quite young. Um, but I grew up in a, in a home that had solid faith and uh, Jesus Christ was exemplified. And, and not just through my parents. I had plenty of grandparents, aunts and uncles around me that, uh, and a lot of family friends that were solid Christians. So um, I can rem- actually remember the exact night that I uh, asked Jesus into my heart. I know we, we try not to use that too much, but where I, uh, where I definitely became a Christian and I was actually downstairs. I'd been given a Bible. I was probably about eight years old, seven, eight years old. And I was reading through the Bible, and it was a Sunday night. And uh, I remember whatever the feeling was in church that day, I could just feel the Lord uh, calling me. I went upstairs, and I was crying. And my dad said, what's wrong? And I grabbed him by the hand off the couch. I said, I want to know uh, how to become a Christian. And he, of course, got up. And we went downstairs to the bedroom, and we knelt down by the bed. And he explained to me salvation. We read John 3.16, and... Uh, we even colored that verse in with an orange pencil crayon. I have my awesome. Bible still. <laughs> so good, so good. And uh, it was very real. And, uh, you know, that is when I gave my life life to the Lord. Um, that's where it started. And through my young years, I felt the Lord very closely. Yep. Um, but there were moments throughout my teens where, where things bit went awry. We, uh, we had moved from where we were living here, actually in Fort St. John, to another community. Um, there were a few Christian friends up there. Things were lonely. Um, even though we had a really solid home, and I, my parents were awesome parents, uh, we all, all my brothers and sisters, rebelled in some form or another. Right. And uh, so I began to walk away from the Lord and began to doubt things. And when I look back on it now, I mean, if you would ask me then, or even when I was 25 years old, how I view it, um, really, it was a way to cover up my sin. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I would I would make up excuses for for whatever, for the things that I was doing and, and trying. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that did happen is is because of our rebellion, my parents did go through some church discipline, and I always felt it was very wrong, and I got very mad at God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really struggled with that, and I thought, well, this is God's people. I want nothing to do with them. This is how they deal with things. And uh, that was the real big excuse for me just to, to walk away. But even in those moments uh, of walking away in my teens, there were so many times where God just went, I'm still with you. Yeah. Uh, what, just like, I just want to pause there for a second. There's so many families where uh, parents are wrestling or struggling because one or many of their children are walking away or struggling in their faith or not really sure they want to follow in this current season. Again, as someone who went through that experience, what advice would you give to those parents uh, about how to navigate that season well? Well, one, don't give up. Always prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know my parents were praying lots. I can, <clears throat> I remember times coming in late at night, partying and stuff, and uh, seeing my dad on his knees praying. Mm-hmm. 
So that's one. Two, my parents never pushed us away. Right. They always were there for us. We could always come home. Didn't matter what happened. Mm -hmm. So that was two as well. And the other one was for uh, people in the church. Even though I was mad at God people, there, God's people, there was a lot of good people that would see me and they just wouldn't leave me alone. They were just in my face and, and would talk to me and they continued to befriend me. And I think that's really important that I knew mm -hmm. I was accepted. Sure. Even though I was angry with them. Yeah. And uh, so that was probably the three big things to navigate through that, I mm -hmm. think. And the other thing too is like my father was a pastor. So as I began to find, because I used to, study read i was in high school and i'd find arguments and against faith and my dad would just sit down and we'd talk about it and then he'd defeat me in argument almost every time <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh one thing that i really respected about my totally. father you know you could discuss things with him he'd just yeah. say no son that's totally wrong thinking no. sure and even just the grace that he had to have the conversation right yeah because i think there's always the temptation when we feel afraid if people we love are wandering or struggling in some way we feel so afraid of that and so we want to push it back really hard but again, it's a really important step, I guess, to, to be able to take that space, just really sit down, to have the conversation, to navigate it, just to keep the dialogue open about what all this looks like. Yeah. yeah. And again, too, I remember my mother praying to lots and just always being there to love me. So it was tough years. Um, actually, there's one I've been thinking about the last few days I wanted to share, and I, I don't know why I need to share this particular part of my faith, but I was actually in math class. And math is something that never became, never came really natural to me. I had to work at it. And we were studying some theories on math, and I can't actually remember the exact one that it was. But the, doc, uh, the teacher, professor, he, he explained everything. And I went up after, and I said, why does this work? And he explained how to do the equations, how, just how to do the math. And I said, yeah, but why does it work? Like, how does this work? Like, how do we know we can do this and figure this out? Yep. And he went, can you just sit back down at your desk, he said, and do your work? <laughs> he started laughing. He wasn't being rude. And he, goes, you know, he goes, Darren, you just have to accept that this works. That's how this works. <laughs> right. And I remember that was a moment in my rebellious years where I went, there's a God behind this. Right. There is intelligent design. So that was kind of a small but pinnacle moment to, uh, to guide me, I think, in my later teen years. So. It's amazing. God can use anything, even math, even <laughs> yeah, math class right. can be a, a redemptive experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's been such an interesting year for you, Darren, um, yeah. over the course of the last, you know, number of years, the last year in particular. Um, why don't you just tell us a bit about just some of what's been going on in your life, a bit of how God's met you in this current season? Well, the, the last few years have definitely been some tough moments and, uh, um, but God continues to, to, uh, just be there for me. I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit a lot. Um, again, I have a, a great wife, great kids, and lots of family and friends around. So the support's been there. Um, it's hard as a man at times to be vulnerable. Totally. It's one of the things that God's taught me this year was to really depend on my kids for prayer. Right. It's been awesome to have a family that I can go to and say, hey, this is my issue. Yeah. So that has been just such a blessing, such mm -hmm. a blessing. Um, last year was kind of a tough year. Um, COVID happened. My wife was here at the church a lot, as you know, working. Um, we both contracted COVID. She was inconclusive, but I was totally solid in, in my thing. I got quite ill, 
missed work for a few weeks, mm-hmm. knocked me off my feet. And that came on the end of, of a few years of, you know, different things happening in and out of our lives. Yeah. But I remember coming out of COVID and it was, I was back to work, but still feeling pretty drained. Um, I was still coughing, still feeling tired a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was struggling to, to get some things accomplished at work that I really wanted to get through. Um, there seemed to be some obstacles with that. And, uh, I remember just telling the Lord one day, I said, I don't know if this is going to be a go anymore. And I just had this feeling that things were going to change. But I was praying about that, and around New Year's, I said, Lord, can we, can I please have a better year? And the Lord just went, no. I, I don't know how to explain it. You know, you don't like to be too flippant and over-spiritualize anything, but I just knew in my heart, it was, no, Darren, your year's going to get tougher, actually. This mm-hmm. year's going to be one of the hardest years of your life. Mm-hmm. I went, wow. Really, Lord? Not into this, but... <laughs> and how did you feel in that space? Like You're kind of like, this has been rough, it's been hard, and that sense of anticipating something difficult how did that resonate in your soul how did you work that through i was a little disheartened yeah but um god once again reminded me of of some verses that he had actually given to me when uh when i was a young man and one of them which comes up lots in my life is in proverbs uh i think it's proverbs eleven seven, and it's hopes placed in mortals die with them all the promise of the power comes to nothing um and god put that verse on my head he went look, there's nothing you can do about this. This mm-hmm. is about to happen. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure what it was. I had, had some inklings. Yeah. Um, he said, and there's no one that can stop this. Your only hope is me. And I went, okay. So I quite often would uh, think about Job. Mm-hmm. And Job said, uh, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. Mm-hmm. And that was a verse that was constantly in my mind. And not just this last couple of years. It's been there for about five years. It's Yep. constantly comes up no matter what i do you have to trust me even if i decide to destroy you it's for your good it can be really hard to accept yeah for sure but you can only believe that it's true right? sure i just want to pause that, that part of your story for a second like i think for many of us we feel like we want god to make sure everything works out smoothly we want life to be fairly comfortable we have a hard time when god won't give us what we want what are some of the things that god's done in you that have brought you to the place where you can say okay even if it's going to be harder, even if it's going to be difficult, I'm going to choose to trust you. Because then that kind of perseverance doesn't come just from like, okay. it doesn't come just off the, like, the cuff of anything. I can just, whatever you feel like comfortable to share from that, like, what are some of the things that God's done you to give you that kind of ability to say, I'm going to trust you no matter what? You know, there are so many moments, but uh, I'll try and pick ones that are a little easier. The first one that comes to mind right now is my brother and I were floating down the Musqua River up north in a raft years ago. Anyway, we were being kind of silly, and uh, we ended up flipping a raft. We hit a sweeper in the water, and I got caught under the raft. And uh, at that time, my oldest daughter, Dara, was just a baby, like maybe a year old. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could not get from underneath that raft. I kept kind of trying to swim out, and I just kept getting knocked back under it. Um, I could see sunlight. I could see the top of the water. I couldn't get to it. My lungs began to hurt. I really wanted to take a breath, and I was trying to hold back. And I remember I just went, Lord, okay, just please take care of my family. And I relaxed, and I felt the raft bump my head, and I tucked my head down, and the raft floated over my head, and I floated up to the top of the, to the surface of the water. Yeah. I was wearing a life jacket, of course. Yep. That's one big moment where I had to give up mm-hmm. and say, this is it. 
nothing I could do. Take care of God. Yeah. That's probably where I, <clears throat> that's probably a pretty solid moment that would help, you know, all these years now. I mean, I was quite a young man then. I was, you know, in my early twenties. Sure. So, but yeah. Um, and many others. There was another time too where uh, I was actually working, and my wife went down south mm-hmm. uh, with the kids, and uh, and I think maybe my brother was with them. I remember thinking all day long. I just had an off feeling that something was going to happen. Yeah, and it was the same thing. I had to. I actually was. Uh, I was working in a, in a mill. I was an oilerman, and I was actually down on my knees doing a job, working on on some equipment, and I was praying. And I actually just said, I was so scared for my family for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I finally I told Satan, just get away from me. Even if God takes my family away from me, I'm still going to trust Him. And then um, was just a few hours later that my wife phoned and said they got in a vehicle accident, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing serious. No one got hurt, but. Again, it was one of those moments where not even with my wife and kids. I mean, I can trust myself, but I'm just a mortal. Mm-hmm. All my power passes away. It's only God that can sustain no matter what. No, yep. no matter what we do. Sure. Yeah, totally. So then fast forwarding again back to sort of the current moment. Okay. Again, you're coming into this year. You know it's going to be difficult. Uh, how did that begin to play out for you? Well, as things were getting difficult and... Uh, in January, a uh, company I was working for decided they were going to streamline. They were doing some modernization. Um, I think we all knew that cuts could happen. Um, but in January, I found out that in, at the end of August, in six months' time, my job would end. They no longer needed as, as many meal rights where I was at. Um, they'd cut back some equipment, and I was one of the person people that would... My position was being eliminated. You can't really take it personal. It wasn't me that was being eliminated. My job was being eliminated. Sure. It's I, hard to feel that way, though, at the it, time, right? It is, but you have to kind of do that. You have yep. to go, okay... These people actually don't hate me. They just, <laughs> this is the way big business goes, right? Um, in that, a verse that God gave me when I was, again, quite young, when I was trying to decide what I was going to do in life for a living, um, and figure out what I wanted to be and how I wanted to serve God in this world. Um, I was reading for, through First Thessalonians, and I came to First uh, Thessalonians 4.11. And it says, uh, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. And at that time, there was uh, opportunities to become a tradesman, uh, get an apprenticeship, and I was working towards getting that, and I went, that's what I'm going to do in my life. I'm going to work with my hands, get a trade, so that I'm not dependent on anybody but God, and that other people can depend on me so that I can mm-hmm. be that leaning stick or that cornerstone or in whatever case case mm-hmm. may be. So when I found out I was losing my job, I said, you know, Lord, really? I'm 50, 54 here. It's not easy to get another job as you get older. Sure. And God brought that verse back to me. Yeah. He just said, I made you this promise. I'm going to keep it. Mm-hmm. I made you a tradesman so that you could support yourself. Mm-hmm. And... As the months progressed, there was many times I thought, what am I going to do? You know, where am I going to go? And then on top of that, the people I'm working with were going, hey, you know, are you, do you have prospects going? What's going on? But we were asked to stay till the 25th of August, mm-hmm. till the very end. So I said that I would. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was beneficial to do that, right? And throughout that whole time, every time I got concerned about what I was going to do, you know, should I be looking? And I was kind of looking, but not really applying anywhere. God just said, don't worry about it. At the end of this, 
there's work for you. I told you, and I promise it. So I just would wait and and wait. And uh, and how did that feel? Again, it's a pretty intense space, right? Because again, as men, we feel this need to be able to produce, to provide. And you're in this season of waiting where you know that your your ability to provide in that sense looks like it's ending. And you keep feeling the sense of like, I've got to do something. Everybody else around me is doing something. And you keep hearing God saying, you just need to wait. Okay, what was that process like choosing to trust him through that journey? There were moments where it was, it was upsetting, where I felt angry. There were moments when I think I grieved it. Um, but in between that, every time I got concerned, this would happen. And I, I don't know how many times that. There's three or four times that are quite prominent. But I remember thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden I got contacted by people I worked with before or other friends and other companies I worked for, some here in town, some not. And they just went, hey, you know, I heard through the grapevine that you're losing your job. And I said, yeah, well, when you're done, give me a call. And there was, well, three times in particular, I went, okay. And Lord kept saying, just relax, just relax. It's going to be okay. But it was difficult. I mean, it, it was sure. difficult to choose, especially when... You know, I remember having a conversation with one of uh, the guys I work with, and they said, if I were you, I would just be, I'd be freaking, how can you be doing this? And I said, and I was honest, I said, well, there are moments where I get pretty excited, but I've, I've got to wait till the end. Sure. And sure enough, when uh, I was done, I sent out a few resumes, contacted some people, and I had interviews immediately, you know, just within a day or so, and, and I'm working again, so. That's awesome. It was good. Yeah, it's so amazing to see how God is faithful, right? How he's yeah. like, I made you this promise, I'll see you all the way through. I, mean, I think it's like many people I think could echo your story over this season. Maybe not with the loss of a job, but I think for many people there's been a sense of, I want one thing, but life is looking very different. Or the season just seems hard. Again, many, so many people have said in the course of the last number of weeks, I'm just so done with COVID. <laughs> um, and there's a sense of the yearning, the longing for something different. Again, from your experience, what advice would you give to people about when they feel the sense of yearning, the longing, the fear of what might be coming, uh, the sense of inadequacy, maybe that's playing in on what they can do or can't do and how they're working that through? What kind of guidance would you give about how to navigate those kinds of seasons well? I think first is if, if you have a support net or if you don't, then you get one. I mean, I had the privilege of being on the elders board through this all. Um, so I had a lot of guys around me praying for me. Mm -hmm. uh, again, family. Um, and just, you're going to have to tell people how you feel. I mean, we like to be a rock. I know I do. Um, but we need to, to get people to pray and support us and encourage us. Um, and then spend time in prayer. Sure. You know, on your knees. Uh, that's how we go forward in life. Mm -hmm. So I spent quite a bit of time in prayer, time in the scripture. Um, I like to listen to sermons and podcasts and, and that sort of thing quite a bit. And I was amazed how much, uh, how many times God met me there where what was being said was just what I needed to hear at that moment. Um, I remember one time, this would actually be before I knew I was losing my job, but I was wondering about struggle. I said, Lord, why do I have to always struggle with these things? Life always seems to be this struggle. And I asked that when I got in my truck going to work. And by the time I hit my place of work, I had turned the radio on. And here there was uh, two psychologist talking it was like a little podcast kind of idea and the subject was struggle and the guy said the benefits of struggle is it makes us stronger right you go through these things and god said that's what i'm doing i'm toughening you up so 
And I remember saying, you know, it'd be nice if you just make me tough and not actually yeah, not have to go through the struggle to get there. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. not how it works, right? Yep. So. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. You made so many important points in there. I think, again, the first one, the choice to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. Because, again, as we're going through things, there's often this feeling of I, gotta, I have to pretend I'm fine or I want to make sure that I look like I'm okay. But then the choice, like even like you said at the beginning, the idea of being open and vulnerable with your kids, with your wife, they could yeah. pray for you, be with you, to be intentional to pursue God on the journey. Because um, I think it's a funny thing with Jesus, right? That it's this ongoing call to continue to trust him. But there, there's so many other voices in life, right, that try and pull us into fear or uncertainty. And we can only continue to trust him as we continue to seek him, right, and to spend that time with him, like you've talked about, to continue to pray and to embrace and to read the scripture and to process and have other people pray with us just kind of brings us into the presence of God so we can continue to trust him and move forward with him as well. Right on. <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Darren, for your time and just for your willingness to jump on the podcast today. It's been just amazing to hear your story. Thanks again for your vulnerability oh, and your willingness you. to dive in. And um, who knows? We'll have to do another round another day. Oh, I'll be looking forward to it. It was great. Thank you very much for having me. Join us next time for our next edition of Our Story as we continue to hear what God is doing in our midst. <laughs>